Hey, Woodlands Church, we're in this series where we're asking big questions about God, about faith, about the Bible, about Jesus. Now, some Christians think it's okay to question some things, but it's not okay to question God. It's not okay to express your doubts or to ask questions about faith because they say questions show a lack of faith. And at some churches, questions are off limits. And and if you do express a question that you're struggling with or express any doubts or anger toward God, they sort of shut you up by saying, you just don't have any faith. And they might even add, and you better be careful because God doesn't take kindly to questions. He might strike you with a bolt of lightning. But at Woodland Church, it's just the opposite. Questions are welcome. That's why last weekend we started this new series and Pastor Lee Strobel and Mark Middleberg kicked it off by just answering your questions. Because the Bible says that questions are not only okay to ask, but questions are good. I mean, God's not afraid of our questions. And we all have questions whether we admit it or not. In fact, until you express your questions that you have and struggle with them and work through them by looking for the truth, you'll never have a strong, real, and genuine faith. I want us to open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. This is a short passage, but I love this verse. Would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? And I wanna welcome all of you guys worshiping with us at Woodland Church of Tascacita, everyone worshiping with us at Woodland Church North Point, and all of you worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry. Wherever you are, we're all part of the same church. And so read this out loud with me. I want you to really get this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Dear God, I thank you that you're not afraid of our questions, that you encourage our questions because you care about us so much. And I just pray for everyone within the sound of my voice who is asking the question today, does God even know what I'm going through? That you would just answer it, Lord, by just making your presence so felt in their lives over the next few moments. And through your word, Lord, that you would speak directly to their heart because, Lord, I don't know what they're going through, but you do, and you care. And I pray that you would just speak to every one of us, Lord, in our hearts from your word in such a way that our lives are never the same again. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. This passage tells us exactly what to do when someone has questions about God or questions God or has questions about faith, it tells us that we're to rebuke them for their lack of faith. That we're to say, get thee behind me, Satan. We're to excommunicate them. We're to hit them over the head with the Bible. It's not what it says. No, it says, give them an answer in gentleness and respect. That's great when people have questions. Just be prepared to give them an answer in gentleness and respect. Saying, know why you believe what you believe. And in order to do that, you're gonna have to ask your questions and work through those questions. Well, why are questions good? Let me give you three reasons. First, it makes faith personal and real. I want you to underline the phrase in that key verse, be prepared to give an answer. 
You gotta know why you believe what you believe, and to do that, you've got to struggle with your questions and work through them. If you never ask spiritual questions, it just means you're spiritually lazy. I am so proud of our student ministry, where we encourage our young people to ask their tough questions. We want them to know why they believe what they believe. We want them to ask their questions and work through them before they go off to college. It's so important for them to learn to ask their questions and their doubts and, and to work through them before they go off to college or into the workplace because in college their faith will be tested. In the workplace, their faith will be tested. You encounter, there's always someone out there who will question your faith. There's always someone out there ready to test your faith, to question your faith, and you need to be prepared to answer their questions. And the only way, really, that you can arrive at a strong and genuine faith is to express your questions, work through them, know why you believe what you believe. In fact, I would say you'll never have a strong and genuine faith until you express those questions and work through them and look for the truth. It's so important to understand that questions are good. Well, I want you to look at the next thing. It leads to wisdom and humility. It leads to wisdom and humility. Honest questions lead to wisdom, and it shows humility. In Psalm 14, 1, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So this verse is saying it's foolish to say there is no God, but it doesn't say it's foolish to ask the question, is there a God? And no, that's not foolish. It's not a foolish question at all. In fact, it's a good question. Is there a God? No, I don't respect the position of an atheist. I respect atheists. I, I love atheists. We have many atheists who come to our church, um, and I think that's wonderful. And it shows that they're open to learning. But I, I don't respect the position of an atheist, but I respect all atheists. And the Bible says that we're to respect each other. When we defend our faith, when we share our faith, we're not to do it in anger. We're to respect everyone that God created. We're to love everyone God created. We're to be respectful and gentle toward them. That's what this passage says. I respect all atheists. I just don't respect the position of an atheist because the position of an atheist says, I have searched the whole universe. I have searched every square inch of this universe and I know for certain that there is no God. I have come to the end of the internet and I know there's no God. I have searched everything, you can trust me. I know for certain there's no God. To me, that's a position of pride and arrogance. Now an agnostic says, I don't think there's a God, but I'm not sure. Now I respect the position of an agnostic. I don't agree with them, but I respect their position because they're saying I still have some questions. They're still at that place where they're asking questions, and that shows humility, and that humility leads ultimately to wisdom. There are a lot of intellectuals in academia today that will tell you you should question everything, and I agree with them. It's just that a lot of people who say question everything don't really mean that, and they just mean question some things, and definitely don't question them, but you should question everything that you learned at church because it's wrong. You, you should question everything 
that you learned at church and all morals, because there's no such thing as morals. There's no absolutes. There are no moral absolutes. It's all relative. There's no such thing as absolutes. And when someone says that to you, you ought to ask them this question. Are you absolutely sure? Because what you said was an absolute right there. That makes no sense. I have found God doesn't mind our questions. It's people that mind questions. And there's always a few prideful professors in universities that will be glad to tell you question everything, but they don't always mean that. I think you should question everything and work through those questions. Because thirdly, it reflects a healthy view of God. God's not afraid of my questions, and if you think God can't handle your questions, then you have an unhealthy view of God. God's not small-minded, God's not insecure, God's not petty, God can handle my doubts and handle my questions. He's big enough. You're not worried about it. If you never ask spiritual questions, you make God small. But I want to share with you three important things about asking questions. When you're asking questions, if you really want those questions to lead you to a place of fulfillment, then you've got to do these three things. First, seek honest answers to your questions. You gotta seek honest answers to your questions. Folks, Christianity is not a blind leap of faith where you commit intellectual suicide. Christianity is a step of faith based on the facts. So you need to seek honest answers. You need to look at the facts. In Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Underline that phrase, all your heart. God welcomes wholehearted questions. I say that because Sometimes people ask questions that aren't wholehearted. They're just questions that are deflections from what they really need to deal with. For example, some people question God's existence or they argue against the existence of God because they don't want there to be a God because if there's a God, that means that they'll be accountable one day for the way they live. And, you know, some people don't believe in God because they really hope there's no God. And because if there's a God, that means there'll be a judgment one day. And so they don't want there to be a God. It's okay to ask your questions as long as you really seek honest answers. Sometimes people tell me, I don't believe the Bible. And the first thing I always ask is, have you read the Bible? And usually the answer is No. You know, and they haven't even read it, much less really studied the evidence behind its truthfulness and reliability and authority. So next weekend, we're gonna ask a really good question, is the Bible reliable? How can something written so many years ago be passed down and be accurate? Is the Bible accurate? Is it truthful? Is it reliable? Is it the Word of God? We're gonna really explore that. We're gonna ask those questions and dig into them, struggle with them and we're gonna look at the facts. But then I want you to see a second thing. Not only seek honest answers, but follow the truth wherever it leads. The most famous philosophical atheist in the world was Dr. Antony Flew. He'd written over 40 books on atheism. His landmark book was The Presumption of Atheism. But in his 80s, he said, because of the new evidence, especially the DNA evidence, I have to admit I was wrong to say God doesn't exist. I was totally wrong. And Lee Strobel, 
our Lee Strobel interviewed Dr. Flew just before he died, and, and he said, it's amazing that you are the most famous atheist in the world. I mean, and you have done a lifetime of scholarship on atheism that so many people look to, and, and yet you've abandoned that lifetime of scholarship, and now you say that you were completely wrong to say that God doesn't exist. That takes guts. And Dr. Anthony Flew said, I had to follow the evidence wherever it took me. And he said, the new evidence is just overwhelming, especially the DNA evidence. And I had to follow the evidence wherever it took me. And so I, I wanna ask the question, is there a God? Because if there's no God, there's no need to ask any more questions. We're just here by accident, there's no purpose. We might as well just party every day, live it up. If there's no God, then there's no purpose in life. You know, we're just making it up as we go along. So there's no need to ask any more questions. So let's start with that question. I want us to look at the facts. Let's look at the evidence of cosmology. Cosmology is the study of the origins of the universe. And in Psalms 19.1, it says, the heavens are telling the glory of God. They are a marvelous display of his craftsmanship. The heavens have always been trying to tell us so much about their creator. It's just that our telescopes weren't advanced enough to really understand the language of the heavens. The heavens have always been speaking. We've just never been able to understand the heavens' language until recently. For example, science has always thought, going all the way back to the Greeks, that the universe is eternal, that it's always been, that it's static and it's never changing. The universe is eternal. It's always been here. Now, Christians have always argued against that because the Bible says that God created the world out of nothing. And so Christians have always said the universe had a cause and it came into existence. The universe isn't eternal. God caused it into existence. And now science has been turned on its head because of all the new discoveries with our high-powered telescopes. They have discovered that the universe is not static, that it's ever-changing, ever-expanding that the universe is not eternal, that it had a beginning point, a definite starting point, and now almost all scientists today believe in the Big Bang Theory. We're in a huge explosion of light. 98% of the matter in the universe was created within the first three minutes. That sounds a lot like Genesis chapter one to me. There is a cosmological argument called the Kalam cosmological argument, and, and it's threefold. First, whatever begins to exist has a cause. Secondly, the universe began to exist, so thirdly, the universe must have a cause. Now, science has always believed that first part. Whatever begins to exist must have a cause. It's just that they thought the universe was eternal, that it didn't need a cause, that it always had been, so didn't need a cause. But now that they've discovered, the new science has shown us that the universe is not eternal, that it had a beginning point, uh, they're struggling a little bit with the second part. You know, the, the universe has a cause. They're struggling with that part of it. The logical conclusion is the universe had a cause. The logical conclusion is that universe came into being. It had a cause. 
Something brought it into being. And let's just say that you're watching television in your living room sitting on the sofa and I'm in your kitchen and then you hear a loud bang come from the kitchen. You hear all these noises and come crashing down, something in the kitchen, you just hear it and you yell into the kitchen, Carrie, what was that loud bang? And I say, oh, nothing, don't worry about it. You wouldn't accept that, would you? So if you need a cause for a small bang, you definitely need a cause for a big bang. And so it just makes sense that if the universe is an eternal, that at a point in time it came into being, that it has to have a cause that's transcendent outside of the universe, outside of time and space that's greater than the universe, and that sounds a lot like God to me. But it just seems that some are struggling with that. Uh, but it's pretty logical to me. Now, whatever exists needs a cause, you say? Well, then, does God need a cause? No, I didn't say whatever exists needs a cause. I said whatever begins to exist needs a cause. And the Bible says that God is eternal, that he's always been. So God doesn't need a cause. Now, science has always believed the universe was eternal until recently, and though they're still struggling with God being eternal, so many are. I want us also to look at the DNA evidence. God has stamped on every one of your over 100 trillion cells in your body evidence of himself. Over the last 20 years, scientists who've been studying DNA have found that the DNA in each of your cells is such a powerful source of information that it goes beyond any computer software program that we could ever imagine. And wherever there's information, there has to be intelligence behind it. And we've just found these things out over the last few years, and the evidence keeps piling up. This complex information inside each strand of DNA shows that there must be intelligence behind it. I mean, you wouldn't look at the most complex software program today and say, it just appeared accidentally, would you? Let me give you an example. There's some landscape rocks in our front yard, and some of them aren't very big, and so whenever it rains and our front yard's kind of sloped, that some of those rocks will spill into the driveway or out into the street. And, and we come home many times after a rain, and we'll see all these rocks, you know, in the driveway. And it's always frustrating. I have to throw them back over there. And... You know, I don't think, though, that any person is doing that. I know it just rained and it just spilled out there. But when my kids were in high school, one time I drove up the driveway and I saw there were many rocks in the driveway. And they were arranged in such a way that they spelled, hi, Joshua. So I surmised, wait a minute, this is information. And because there's information, there must be intelligence behind it. Now, as I was picking up those rocks, I was wondering how intelligent the intelligence was, but I knew there had to be intelligence behind it. And science is discovering all these complexities in every one of our cells. Embedded in every strand of DNA is so much complex information that there has to be intelligence behind it. And that was the main thing that made Dr. Anthony Flew after 80 years 
of atheism say, the evidence is too strong now. I was wrong because I had to follow the truth wherever it led me. Science is now looking more and more into the complexities of the information in our DNA, but a little shepherd boy thousands of years ago already told us about it. In Psalm 139, he said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. Each cell in your body contains wonderfully complex information. And there is an amazing intelligence behind it. And that's God. And the evidence gets stronger every day as we learn more and more and more. Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. He's saying everyday creation is just shouting to us. Everyday creation is yelling to us. If we'll just take time to understand the language of our creation. Is it speaks every day that there is a God. Paul says when anyone looks at creation, he obviously is seeing the work of a creator. There can't be a creation without the creator. And it's obvious, and we see so much about what God is like. He says in this passage, from creation, we see that God is a creative God. There are all these species of animals and plant life. They're so amazing. God loves variety. God loves beauty. And we see God's power in the heavens. All these things point us to God, not only point us to that there is a God, but it gives us insight into what God is like. But I want you to see a third thing. Not only should you seek honest answers to your questions and follow the truth wherever it leads, but don't wait for all the answers to trust the answer. Don't wait for all the answers to trust the answer because you'll never, this side of heaven, have the answers to all of your questions. You see, if, if I knew the answers to all of my questions, I would be as smart as God, and if God is no smarter than I am, we're all in trouble. I'm so thankful that I have a God that's smarter than I am, that God who knows more than I do. Now we ask our questions, we follow the truth where it leads, and then the evidence builds up, and then you've gotta take a step of faith, not a leap of faith. I feel like atheism is a leap of faith, but to believe in God, it, it, that's a step of faith. But you look at the evidence, but you're not gonna have all your questions answered here on this earth because that would mean we're as smart as God and God goes beyond us. In 1 Corinthians 1.25, it says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. God's infinite wisdom is so far beyond what our finite minds could comprehend. And so, there's some questions that we're not gonna get answered here on this earth. But I think sometimes God doesn't reveal to us all the answers here because he wants us to seek him and not just the answers to our question. He wants us to seek him the answer and not just the answers to our question because even if you could get all of your questions answered today, it wouldn't satisfy your soul. It might satisfy your mind for a little bit, but it wouldn't satisfy your soul. And what you were made for was a relationship with the God who made you. That's what satisfies the soul. And so God wants you to have that relationship with him. And so sometimes I've gotta leave some mysteries to God. I've gotta look at everything. 
look at the evidence, follow the truth, follow the facts, but then eventually I've got to take a step of faith. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore unto God's mighty hand, that it may lift you up in due time, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Underline that phrase, he cares for you. Saying you can cast all your cares on God because God cares for you. I am so thankful that we have a God who is not just transcendent beyond anything we could ever comprehend, that we don't just have a God who's outside of time and space and never intervenes. We also have a God who invaded time and space to come right down into our lives. Theologians call this God's transcendence and God's eminence, that God is transcendent, that he's bigger and greater than anything we could ever comprehend in our finite minds, but God is also eminent. He's closer than we could ever imagine. And he's closest to the brokenhearted. And if your heart is broken, he's right there with you today. I'm so glad that we have a God who created the universe who also comes right down into our lives and cares about every detail of our lives. The problem is a lot of Christ followers live like Christian atheists. You say, Christian atheists, what is that? Yeah, a lot of Christians live as if God doesn't exist. Many times we live through a day as if God doesn't exist. We don't let him fight our battles. We try to fight our own battles in and of our own strength. We worry and worry and we don't pray. We don't look to the God who made the mountains to move the mountain that's in front of us. We grumble and complain as if we don't have a God who cares about us. You know, some days we live like Christian atheists and God says, I care about you so much. I am big enough to handle any problem and I can hold you in my arms at the same time. And yet I care so deeply about you. You can trust me. God cares. I want us to look at this last verse, which is the most famous verse in all the Bible, which every one of you probably knows from watching sporting events, as you see the signs that have John 3, 16. But think about it again, maybe for the first time. I mean, really think about hearing this for the first time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, it was through creation that we see God is powerful, that God is creative, that God loves variety, but it's through Christ we know that God cares. You see, through creation, I can look and say, oh yeah, there is a God, and I can know some things about God, but the big question I have is, does God care? Because who cares if God doesn't care? Who cares about God if God doesn't care? What does it matter if God doesn't care? I want to know, does God care about what I'm going through in my life today? Not some philosophical arguments or scientific arguments that there is a God. I don't care how much proof there is. I want to know, does he care about me? For you see, creation tells us that God is powerful, but Christ shows us that God cares. He came right down into our world and put on frail human flesh and became one of us so that we could know that he loves us and we could know what God is like. When I look at creation, I see a little bit of what God is like, but when I look at Jesus, I see God and I know what God is like and I know that God loves me and God cares about me. I'm so grateful for that. And so my question to you today is, 
Have you received God into your life? I didn't ask you, do you believe in God? It's great to, to believe in God. If you don't believe in God, we love you, that's great. We love you, keep coming. Keep doing honest intellectual search for the truth. But I'm not even asking you, do you believe in God? That's all fine and good, but the Bible says the devil and his demons believe in God and tremble. They believe in Jesus and tremble. They, they believe, but they don't have a relationship with God. They don't love God. And so I'm not asking you, do you believe in God? My question is, have you received him personally into your life? Because it's all about believing and receiving. Believing and receiving. Receiving him at a point in time in your life where you say, God, I need you. Thank you that you care about me. As much as I understand it, I take a step of faith and I place my life in eternity in your hands. Have you ever done that? What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? So I always tell people, it's like, what have you got to lose? I'm always so, so surprised when people are so mad and angry at God when they say God doesn't exist. But why are they so mad and angry and upset? <laughs> it's saying God doesn't exist. Well, don't worry about it if God doesn't exist. Don't get mad about it. Don't get angry about it. It just shows me something deeper is going on inside because God has placed eternity in every one of our hearts. We all have doubts and questions and fears, but God has placed eternity in every one of our hearts. And deep down, we know there's gotta be more than just this life. Deep down, we know that we're made for a purpose. Deep down, we know that something's missing because God has placed eternity in our hearts. So the question is, what have you got to lose if you've never at a point in time in your life taken a little step of faith and received God through his son Jesus Christ and his free gift of forgiveness in heaven one day? What have you got to lose? I want every one of us to take out our Connect card. This little Connect card right here, if you would just take that out. Because on the Connect card at the bottom, it says, I'm committing my life to Christ. And if you would say, Carrie, today I want to get it settled. As much as I understand it, I've still got questions. I don't understand it all, but I want to take a step of faith because really that's what it comes down to. Everything comes down to a step of faith. And most things are blind leaps of faith. Seems to me that to believe for sure that there is no God is this blind leap of faith. But all you have to do is take a step of faith based on the facts. And what have you got to lose? Just check that. I'm committing my life to Christ, and write the word receive. I didn't ask, do you believe in God? I've said, do you believe in him, and have you received God through his son, Jesus Christ? You can receive him right now, this free gift of salvation. Just put receive. I want to receive him. It's your decision. You see, God never forces himself on anyone. He waits and gives us that choice because he loves us so much. And so have you made that choice? We're not gonna come to your house to bother you about that decision. We just wanna help you grow by sending you information on how to grow in your faith. And I, I just encourage you to take those steps of faith. That's what it is. It's always a little step of faith. And that first step of faith is salvation. And then after that, God will ask you to take another little step of faith, another little step of faith, another little step of faith. Before you know it, you're where you never dreamed you could be. It's an amazing thing, this Christian life, this great adventure. Now, some people are afraid to commit their life to Christ because they think maybe Christ will make me some religious nut or something. 
You know, I mean, if I really surrender my life to God, he's probably gonna do something with my life that just makes me miserable for the rest of my life. No, God loves you so much. He made you. He knows how you work best. He knows what fulfills you. If you wanna know why you're here on this earth, you've gotta look to the one who put you on this earth. If you wanna know why you were made, you've gotta look to the one who made you. And God says, I love you, I care about you. I know how you'll be fulfilled. I know what will bring fulfillment to you. And when you take a step of faith, God opens a door, and then you take another step of faith, and God opens the door. Take another step of faith, and God opens the door. And before you know it, you look back and go, wow, God, look what you've done in my life. It's not some blind leap of faith. It's not, God, I give you my life, and you're just gonna make me miserable now. No, just take a little step of faith, and God will take you the rest of the way. Just check that and put receive, put receive. I want every one of us to stand right now because I know some of you came in here today facing huge mountains and all you were thinking about was that mountain and you saw there was no way over it, there was no way around it, there was no way through it. You felt like you were at a dead end. But as you come to church and you start focusing on God and how big and great he is and how much he cares, that mountain got real small, didn't it? You see, the God who made the mountains will move that mountain for you. And while you've been sitting in here worshiping, studying God's word, God's been working for you. God's been working on that mountain. God's been fighting for you. That's what's so amazing. We have a God who loves us, who fights for us, who cares about us. And the God who created the universe and created the mountains can move your mountain. The God who made the universe has made a way to heaven for us. And if God can make the universe and make a way to heaven for us, then God can make a way for you where there seems to be no way. God specializes in making a way where there seems to be no way. There was no way we could ever get to perfect heaven because of our sins. But God came to earth and he made a way where there seemed to be no way. We're gonna celebrate Easter coming up in less than a month. And God who died on that cross for us. It looked like he was dead, it was over, it was a dead end. But three days later, he made a way. He rose from the dead and the tomb is empty so our lives can be filled. You see, God specializes in making a way where there seems to be no way and if God can make the universe and if God can make a way to heaven for us, Christ follower, God can make a way for you where there seems to be no way and he's already doing it. Open your eyes. He's already doing it. And as you sing this song, let's just thank him in advance. After God makes the way, we thank him. That's good. That's called gratitude. But when you thank him in advance, that's faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so just thank him as you sing this song. Think about the mountain you're facing. And just see God making a way. Because he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He will move that mountain by his strength and his power. Let's sing it with all of our hearts. Just lift up the name of the Lord today. Whatever mountain you're facing, whatever barrier that's got you stopped at a dead end, thank him. Thank him. I love how God turns crucifixions into resurrections. That's what he did on that first Easter, and that's what he wants to do in lives right now. Let's sing to him. The God who made the universe made a way 
to perfect heaven for you. Have you ever received him? Have you ever received him? Do you believe and receive? What have you got to lose? I want us to bow our heads right now. And if you'd say, Carrie, I'm not sure I've ever received God through his son, Jesus Christ. And just do that right now. If you put receive right here, I hope you'll give that to someone, one of our ushers on the way out, so we can send you information on how to grow in your faith. But just pray right now and receive him. And I just want to ask everyone who's a Christ follower, all of us, let's pray this prayer out loud right now to encourage those who've never received Christ. Let's all just pray this out loud right now as a confirmation of our faith. And for those of you who have never received him, you just pray it out loud and know that he hears you as if you're the only one in this place. Let's pray together right now. Just repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, thank you for creating me. I need you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. And I ask you to make me new on the inside. I accept your free gift of salvation. I accept your free gift of heaven. As best as I understand it, I love you. Now be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, Christ came into your life, he'll never leave you. And it's so exciting. Give this to a usher on the way out. Hey, we love you guys so much. Easter is less than a month away. I want you to give an Easter invitation to a friend and let them know. Let them know about Jesus, that he's alive. God bless you, Woodland Church. The mountain mover is going to move that mountain for you. God bless you. Have a great week. Great job. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodland Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.